The views and opinions of this program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers. There is substantial risk of loss in trading futures and options, which you should carefully consider prior to trading. Bringing you the ag information you need, this is Market Talk, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Jesse Allen. Well, let's call it a quiet to slightly higher day in the markets on Thursday. A decent little rebound here as we're working towards the end of the trading week. Welcome to Market Talk. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Jesse Allen. Great to have you along for a look at what's happening in the commodity and livestock markets and issues impacting rural America. Yeah, not a bad day. Uh, we bounced off some early lows, tried to find some green on the screen across the grain trade and in livestock, especially cattle, finding some triple digit strength headed into Friday's trade, which uh, will bring us a cattle on feed report after Friday's trade wraps up uh, late Friday afternoon. A lot of traders positioning ahead of that. Uh, no doubt, though, a um, interesting week here post USDA reports and post uh, the holiday weekend. It feels like these markets are maybe at some lows here on the grain side. A lot of things to kind of take into account. We're going to talk about it today, get some perspective from Brian Doherty, Senior Market Advisor at Total Farm Marketing. He'll join us coming up in segment three and four today here in the back half of the show and give us his thoughts as to what he is seeing in the markets here and uh, interested to get Brian's take after the uh, USDA reports and any thoughts and recommendations he has for folks. Uh, a little bit of a common sense uh, approach uh, is what we usually get from Brian Doherty. So looking forward to a discussion here later on in the show today. Also coming up in segment two, we're going to talk with the president and CEO of CHS, Jay Deberton. They released their quarter one fiscal year 24 earnings numbers. We're going to talk about that. Also, uh, the news coming out here uh, last week that CHS and Growmark are entering into an exploratory process uh, looking to maybe work together between the two cooperatives more. What exactly does that mean? We're going to uh, ask Jade Everton about that, see if he can give us any updates there. So looking forward to that conversation coming up here in segment two today on the show. Let's kick things off, though, take a look at the markets a little bit and get some analysis with Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist at StoneX. Arlen joining us uh, on Thursday for our midday commentary while he's at the Fort Wayne Farm Show in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And again, we saw fairly quiet action around midday when I talked to Arlen in the grains and in livestock as well. We also talk about the energy markets and much more. Here is that commentary and analysis from Arlen Suderman of Stone X, starting with his thoughts in Thursday's quiet-ish grain trade. Yeah, they really are. And, and it kind of comes down to the question that uh, every farmer here at Fort Wayne Farm Show is asking us as we're working here is, is how low is how low is low enough? And uh, that's the question they want to know. But there, there's some reality to that question. I'm not saying that we've hit the bottom, but we've come down a long ways from where we were. And the market is those who have been riding that way down with uh, speculative short positions are saying, how low is low enough where we just need to take our profit? So as we make new lows in corn market this morning, wheat prices are ready at very low levels. Soybean prices have come way off of their highs. We see the trade asking the question, okay, are we getting oversold and need to have a bounce or a correction in here? 
those bounces periodically happen and they do tend to get sold, but we have slowed the rate of descent anyway for the time being. Looking at the energies, crude oil up uh, a little over 1% on the day. I know uh, I'm watching that energy market too uh, among the outside markets here with all the tensions in the Middle East and more to see if if there's any spillover support potentially depending on what energies do here. Talk about what you're seeing there real quick. Yeah, I do think that's providing a little bit of backdrop support. but basically, we've seen the dollar also have some influence today. When it goes up, it tends to put some headwinds for the commodities at large, and the opposite is true as well. Energy putting some risk premium in with what's going on in the Black Sea, and that's also helping support corn a little bit. China gets a lot of their corn from Ukraine, and those shipments are slowing down right now. I was looking at the number of boats either approaching the Suez Canal or rerouting around Africa and really lengthens the shipping time and the cost for corn coming from Ukraine may give us a little bit of a business if China decides to buy ours as well. But they also have Brazilian supplies they can choose from. Um, but uh, that is providing some risk premium for, um, for the commodities, especially the energy markets, as we're seeing a, another ship that was struck by the Houthi rebels. That's the third in three days. Um, struck as um, they try to provide their support to the Gaza Strip. Arlen, over in the livestock trade today, uh, cattle futures pushing to the upside here. Uh, wondering your thoughts with what we're watching in cattle. I know some of that box, the box beef prices uh, choice getting back up close to that $300 mark. I'm keeping an eye on that too as we watch these markets head towards the latest cattle on feed report. Yeah, cattle on feed report expected to show December placements down 5%. Um, roughly from year-ago levels. And let's remember, December a year ago was a low number, so that's actually down about 7% from the five-year average. So we bunched everything up for a few months, and now we're starting to get into that hole of supply beyond that, and the market's starting to trade that a little bit more. Weather is also a big factor in there. As you mentioned, choice cuts getting up there closer to $300 level. Uh, we're really cut back on the supply here in some feedlots of this winter weather. The cattle have lost maybe 100 or more pounds per animal that has to be put back on them. So we've dramatically reduced the supply of meat onto the market. And so we're seeing some strength as a result. And once again, comments there with Arlen Suderman from StoneX joined us for our midday commentary on Thursday while he was spending time at the Fort Wayne Farm Show in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Well, the total South American soybean crop this year is still expected to be larger than last year. Even USDA's Brazilian soybean crop estimate, cut short by poor weather conditions, is still bigger than last year. However, it is the size of the Argentine crop, says University of Illinois Global Agribusiness Specialist Joanna Colusi, which is making the biggest impact. After three years of serious weather problems, Argentina has the chance for a full crop. Uh, there are forecasts for the Argentina soybean crop to nearly double in 2024. Uh, a bumper soybean crop in Argentina could help, should help offset a forecasted production decline in Brazil. The combined production of the two nations this year, despite the troubles in Brazil, is currently projected by USDA to be at least 10% bigger than in 2023. While the Southern Plains responsible for the bulk of wheat acre declines in the latest WASDE report, Allendale's Rich Nelson explains there were significant changes in the report for wheat. 
Wheat side of things here, uh, as far as this goes, no change to their completed harvest, and that's relatively normal for this report. Instead, USDA made a minor revision for our discussion on ending stocks, 659 last month, now 648. Bigger deal for the wheat side, a significant 2.2 million acre decline for USDA's view on winter wheat seedings, so much lower than the trade expected to see. Nelson says hard red winter wheat was responsible for close to 1.7 million acres of the decline, and the bulk of that was in the southern plains in Kansas, Oklahoma, and Texas. The biggest surprise, though, Nelson said, was the winter wheat planting number. You know, we've had a moderate increase in recent years. Now for this discussion today, down 2.2 million acres, that's quite important because that does set us up for some of the questions we'll have on spring corn, soybean, and cotton plantings in these uh, in these months ahead here. Again, that's comments with Rich Nelson from Allendale. All right, coming up next, we're going to talk with CHS President and CEO Jay Deverton here on Market Talk. Make sure to subscribe to the Market Talk YouTube channel. You can watch our latest interviews with top market analysts in the country, find bonus content, and much more. It's easy. Just go to youtube.com slash at Market Talk Egg and hit the subscribe button. Or you can search for Market Talk Egg on YouTube. Bringing you the ag information you need. This is Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. Well, joining us now here on the program as we recap the latest results, CHS reporting their first quarter fiscal year 2024 earnings. We're going to talk about it and get some thoughts from their president and CEO, Jay Deberton, joining us here today on the show. And Jay, thanks so much for the time, and it's uh, great to talk with you again. Hope you're doing well. We are, Jesse, and uh, great, great to be with you. Let's uh, dive into the numbers here. First quarter, fiscal year 24. Uh, give us a rundown of some of the uh, the highlight numbers that we saw here to start, Jay. Sure. We had a really strong quarter, uh, Jesse. Just really pleased with our, our results. We had revenues of $11.4 billion for just the quarter. It's our first quarter uh, for, uh, for, for, for CHS. Um, that resulted in earnings of about $522.9 million. Now that's down from the, the same first quarter uh, a year ago, but let me just put a little context behind that. A year ago, uh, we made 780, or just about $783 million. Uh, and that was a record that the company has never seen before uh, mm -hmm. for, a, for a first quarter. This year, we made 520, uh, just about $523 million. That actually is our second best quarter ever, uh, only behind last year's uh, quarter. So it, that's where I say a very, very strong quarter uh, for 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 the company. And you know, Jesse, as 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 you and I have talked about before, in the agricultural sector, our margins, our prices fluctuate each and every year, uh, and uh, and we're cognizant of that. And, uh, and we expect that and we build the company for that. And, um, and so that's what we're going to, you know, that's likely what we're going to see is just margins will be different this year. And last year they were different than the year before. And, and, and that's, that's, that's who we are, but a really, really strong uh, quarter. We saw really good results all the way across the platforms of CHS, mm -hmm. uh, our energy, our egg, our nitrogen production, uh, our corporate and other all had nice results uh, for the quarter. 
Well, Jay, and I, you and I have talked about this before as well. I, I think with strong results like that, kind of the diversified segments of CHS. Uh, I mean, talk about that a little bit, but you, you kind of alluded to it there. But obviously, a lot of different segments that the company, the cooperative could pull from here. Uh, and, and just talk about some of that a little bit for us. Yeah, absolutely. That is one of the advantages of CHS in our diversification across these industries. Our energy segment had earnings of about $267 million. Again, that was down a bit from last year, but last year we just had this incredibly large um, refining margins and and and, and crude uh, advantages for the crudes that we buy to at our refineries. In our egg segment, we had earnings this year of about $169.7 million. And that story, Jesse, has been uh, in our egg segment is, is similar to what you and I have talked about in the past. We had really good results in our processing side, particularly our soybean processing that's being driven a lot by renewable diesel and the things that you and I have spoken about in the past. But, you know, our grain segment, which is largely um, reflects kind of exports off the U.S., uh, you know, the export market for the United States in, in egg commodities uh, has been a bit challenged these last couple of quarters. Uh, and and we've talked about the reasons for that and how the U.S. market is kind of sitting a little bit high in the market uh, globally. Uh, and that happens from time to time. Crop conditions around the world are uneven. And, you know, Brazil had a big crop that came off. And and that's just, a you know, that's, that's the business that we're in. But we're feeling that in our grain segment as, you know, total industry exports are, are just relatively light. Uh, coming off uh, the U.S., so we feel that in our in our grain uh, export business, in our agronomy side, we had a really really strong fall. Um, bottom line, but behind all that, um, Jesse is is just as as you say, we have always parts of our company that seem to you know have wind at their back, and parts of our company where it's you know it's it's much a bit of more of a struggle, and that's that that's who we are, and that's um, that's embedded in in our results. Well, Jay, of course, you know, we're well into the fiscal year, but uh, technically the calendar year just started. So your thoughts for what lies ahead uh, for CHS as we look across agriculture and look across the company, either good or, or, or bad things that could be wins or challenges here in the year ahead. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, so I, you know, I, I'll, I'll, I'll still stay with the theme that um, that we've talked about in the past, Jesse. I, you know, I, I look at the outlook for agriculture as good. Uh, I think, you know, commodity uh, uh, prices are, while they're not at the high levels that we've seen in the past, n- nor are input costs at the high levels that we've seen in the past. They've kind of re- re- reset a bet. Global demands for protein, strong. The U.S. farmers' ability to compete around the world, strong. Uh, more options coming at farmers, in the, in particularly in the case of uh, processing uh, that is being driven by the things we've talked about. That I just think are more options for farmers, and uh, and and you know, we all know that farmers like options, and I think that that looks that looks good, but it won't be long, and we'll be starting to think about the things that we always do: what's moisture, um, how's the spring look like it's going to unfold. But I, I I sit here today saying I think the outlook is uh, remains optimistic and uh, and remains good. We're we're sure approaching it that way. Got a lot of. A lot of agronomies uh, put down this last fall, which is going to take some pressure off trying to get it done this spring, and that's that usually helps things. And uh, and and so I'll 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 stand here at the doorstep of the new calendar year and say I I'm I'll remain optimistic for agriculture. 
Well, another piece of news that we uh, should discuss as well here before we wrap it up, Jay. Uh, CHS and Growmark have entered into an exploratory process. I, I know there's a longstanding relationship here between the two cooperatives. Uh, can you give us a few more details uh, of what exactly we're, we're looking at here with CHS and Growmark working together? Sure. So CHS is a strong uh, agricultural energy cooperative um, headquartered here in St. Paul, Minnesota. Growmark, a strong uh, agriculture and energy cooperative uh, headquartered in, in Bloomington, Illinois. We've had relationships and have relationships between the two companies. We have events to ventures together. And the boards of directors uh, together said, let's see if we should or could do something even larger together. And uh, and we don't know what that would mean or how, how big that could be. And that's why we're calling of exploring it together. Uh, we aren't in any way announcing any answer to that question. We are saying we're going to look together between the two companies um that that have ventures together and and there could be there's could there be something bigger that's good for the shareholders of chs and good for the shareholders of growmark uh to position the companies really you know for an increasingly competitive world and uh and 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 at a time when you have two strong companies in the case of growmark and chs well, maybe the next time you and I have a conversation, we'll have some more answers to that uh, possible partnership between the two companies. And again, uh, recap on the first quarter fiscal year results from CHS. Good report, as always. With that, Jay Deberton, President and CEO of CHS, thanks for joining us today. We appreciate the time. Happy to be here, Jesse. Thank you again. It's always good to have a conversation there with Jay Deberton, President and CEO of CHS. Well, one other note here before we uh, run out of time in this segment, combine harvester sales closed out the year ahead of 2022 levels, while almost all tractor segments saw declines in both the United States and Canada. The latest data from the Association of Equipment Manufacturers shows total U.S. farm tractor sales fell 5.1% in December compared to 2022, while year-to-date sales came in 8.7% lower than a year ago. However, AEM Senior Vice President Kurt Blades says it's a mixed bag among the segments. We saw some real strength in the traditional ag markets, whether that's self-propelled combines, articulated four-wheel drive tractors, and those tractors over 100 horsepower all saw decent growth throughout the entire year. But we did see softness in those smaller horsepower tractors. Under 40 horsepower tractors and 40 to 100 horsepower tractors were actually pretty soft for the entire year. And that indicates more of a consumer mindset than the traditional ag mindset. The under 40 horsepower segment saw a jump in sales during the COVID-19 pandemic pandemic that continued into 2022 before fulfilling much of that demand. Those were largely consumer models, not necessarily a traditional row crop audience. So when we see the declines in those numbers, I think that's more of an indication of that need had been met so strongly a few years ago. It's going to take a while for that market to kind of catch itself back up. On the flip side, looking at those row crop tractors, those tractors over 100 horsepower, seeing those up 5% year over year is really good indication of the traditional ag market continuing to be strong for off-road equipment. And Blade says he is confident in 
in the strength of the equipment market and its long-term growth. Well, I wish I had a crystal ball to look into 2024, but I can say people around the world have got to continue to eat. And the long-term outlook on agriculture continues to be strong. Folks don't buy a tractor or a combine or an articulated four-wheel drive tractor for next year's planting and harvest. They buy it for the next five to 10 years of operation. So yeah, there's certainly some storm clouds on the horizon, but long-term, agriculture continues to be a strong bet. Add to that, the advanced technology that's being incorporated into machines today is really driving new demands. Almost every manufacturer has a brand new piece of equipment that they're putting out there that is making significant gains for the farmer in their efficiency. And you can find the full reports in the market data section of the Association of Equipment Manufacturers website at aem.org. All right, we'll talk markets next with Brian Doherty from Total Farm Marketing on the way right after this. If you miss an episode of Market Talk, you can listen back to the show anytime. Just search for Market Talk on your podcast platform of choice, and you can hear past episodes of the program on demand. Make sure to subscribe to the Market Talk YouTube channel. You can watch our latest interviews with top market analysts in the country, find bonus content, and much more. It's easy. Just go to youtube.com slash at Market Talk Egg and hit the subscribe button. Or you can search for Market Talk Egg on YouTube. The views and opinions of this program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers. There is substantial risk of loss in trading futures and options, which you should carefully consider prior to trading. Market information that matters to you on Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. Well, we found a little bit of green on the screen across grain and livestock markets on the day Thursday, trying to uh, find some upward momentum. Can we churn our way off these recent lows here post-USDA report? I think that's a big question that a lot of folks in farm country are asking, and we're going to talk about all of that and more here today on the show with Brian Doherty, Senior Market Advisor at Total Farm Marketing. Brian, always good to talk with you, my friend. And uh, yeah, I found a little green on the screen. Uh, something positive, I think, to take away here towards the end of the week, Brian. Yeah, you kind of hold your breath here. We went from negative this morning, the grains to positive, and we stayed positive. Not a lot penny and three quarters in March corn. I know the market's been down since since the, the end of the year. And actually since October, we're down about 80 cents in that March corn-ish. That's a lot. Um, but unfortunately, you know, we're lacking a stimulus. We're lacking positive news. We continue to, you know, look for it elsewhere. And, you, you know, mainly on the demand side, you need to look at, at the world's, you know, bigger use, biggest user of corn in China and uh, uh, at least biggest importer. And, uh, uh, gosh, you know, you know, news this week just it kind of piled up. Their GDP wasn't quite as expected. Um, and I should say news this year. Uh, they've uh, allotted or will allow for great uh, GM, uh, GMO seeds and uh, imports. And that that just creates more of, you know, potential for somebody else to grow GMO corn as well. So so we didn't get the positives we wanted out of that. Um, and we're, we're at long term support on monthly charts. Um, so that's that's definitely a challenge to the market. Beans, nice finish today, six to seven higher. Um, I still don't have a bullish story there. The weather is taking a turn for the better in South America, and the market's just concerned about demand and the 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 managed money that stays short uses momentum indicators and 
there's still sellers, but today was a nice reversal. And hopefully a sign that the $12 area in March is going to hold. Oh, Brian, I think about the old adage, high prices cure high prices. Well, I'll ask you this, can low prices cure low prices? I think a lot of farmers are are wondering about that in farm country right now. Well, they do, but typically it takes a longer window of time to cure low prices. And what I mean by that is you, you need to develop demand markets. Yeah. Um, demand just doesn't shift all of a sudden. And when I say develop demand markets, we talked about China. China's hog herd is contracting. Um, that's not building demand. Now, whether that's a function of higher corn prices the last year in, in red ink, and now that'll begin the shift, but that shift doesn't happen overnight. So unfortunately, um, it is something where we longer term look for the opportunity to um, um, look at, at, at demand growing and growing substantially, but we saw a trough of low prices for a long period of time. So, um, well, just, I wonder, uh, Brian, take a look at that and, 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 and from a long term perspective, uh, yeah. what kind of demand can we actually build in the short period? But low prices do cure low prices. The problem is, farmers have a lot of inventory this year. So, um, that's our dilemma. So, yeah, a lot of inventory. USDA confirmed a fair amount of that with the WASD and all the other data that came out last Friday. I mean, sure as did. you've had a few days to sit with that data and the markets had a few days to sit with all that data that came out here, Brian, was what's your biggest takeaway from those reports here? Or what has stood out to you post USDA data dump day? Okay, so one, it's old news. The market knows it right now. Um, the yield numbers were, they were a surprise. The, market, the average pre-report yeah. estimate wasn't anywhere close. So, so it's out of the way. It confirmed that, that the stresses and strain of this pasture's crop, good farming practices, good genetic, whatever the case, timely rains, did make for, for good crops. Um, so then it, attention quickly focuses to the Southern hemisphere and production there. And there really isn't a, a you know concern story at the moment. There was up to about mid-December. Uh, so the data dump happens. You get all this information. We get the quarterly stocks. It's now behind the market. It had looked like the corn market in particular, soybeans in particular, were factoring in this idea of the potential for a less than friendly report in some capacity, whether it be less demand or more supply. It's old news. What it does, though, is it sets the tone going into next year that end users just don't have to be aggressive. We're looking at ample inventories, and that is the biggest dilemma. As I mentioned to you on many occasions, demand is often unchanged. It's the form of demand. There's no perceptive reason for an end user to jump in there. And that's what the report basically told the end user. You don't have to jump at this. And it told the speculator, you don't have to exit your short positions right now. So I, I wonder here, these markets still look like they have a fair amount of carry in them, volatility fairly low in, in many cases. So I would have to think with markets like this, Brian, that, that farmers need to be smart, manage their risk, maybe have to get a little creative with some of their strategies here to work through some of this market environment that we're in currently, right? Exactly. It's an environment that farmers have to take stock. It just It is what it is. And now you have to decide how you want to approach this. And so 
So we're, of course, hearing from a lot of people that, uh, you know, have some hindsight wishes. They, they wish they sold more, did something, right? It is what it is right now. We have to deal with it. The paradigm, that is the, the, the area we're in, is a shift. So we were in an area of, let's say, $5 to $6 corn, $6.50. And that's shifted probably to $5.50 to, uh, unfortunately, probably $4 on the board price um, if this $4.40 area doesn't hold. So, so we really have to kind of think about all the things. Can we get some basis improvement? Can we sell the carry in the market? Is there anything in the option environment that can be a benefit? If I'm going to say, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm not giving into this. I'm going to store corn. Well, how do you make money on storing corn? Do we need to sell some call options? Uh, they're not being in a ton of premium, but there's still money to be had or hedge higher. It's a lot more complicated than I'm making it sound. There's risk, but you need to look at all of the risk, the risk of doing nothing, the risk of being aggressive, the risk of using strategies and have really good conversations. Um, we've been here before. We can get through it. I wonder, too, some of those conversations uh, thinking ahead to new crop as well. I wonder, you know, if these prices, if we see these prices in this environment stick here for the next few months, could it? really drastically change any acreage intentions as we get into spring I, I i i wonder just how much we could really see any changes brian i wonder the same so that's another big question right now the ratio of price of beans divided by price of corn so november beans divided by december corn 2.5 that still favors planting more beans but boy uh you know, it's kind of a race here to see what, what we don't want to plant. The market's telling they don't want either to increase um, is, is what, you know, when you have new crop beans going down, new crop corn going down, it's not really uh, begging for acres is, is the point. So things will be different this year. Um, I I will hearken back to, to, to beans. I'll start with that. We're near the $12 area. It's not 13. And at 13, we were hoping for 14. Um, we look like we've got a carryout number that might be adequate. Um, so, you know, beans may still yet offer opportunity, especially on rallies. We need to monitor the Southern hemisphere crop closely. Corn, 475, you know, in, in most years, uh, where we have 2 billion bushel carry out, that might end up being a good price by fall. So I'm not saying you should jump at that, but recognize everything's relative. So if you do start making some sales in both of these crops, uh, recognize if they backfire, You've got more to sell higher, and we know we've got bigger supplies from this year. I know, too, Brian, the wheat markets have been digesting some of these numbers from USDA. We lost a fair amount of hard red winter wheat acres in the southern plains, Kansas, Oklahoma, Texas, and and that winter wheat planting number uh, was interesting as well. I do I, I know that these markets, a little bit of a different animal, much bigger world picture, but still digesting some of that data from USDA, it looks like, this week. Well, we are. And, and remember, the, these numbers are what they are, and then they'll change some of the next report. So I think what we're looking at in the wheat complex is a, I, I need to st take a step back. I cannot focus too much here on the U.S., but we are looking at, you know, some really harsh winter-like temperatures in areas that may not have cover. Talked to a big wheat farmer in Colorado today. They don't know if they're damaged or not, but he said it wasn't ideal. He got a little bit of snow cover. Um, so um, those are all things that add up. and ultimately. Um, as we look at how things look, 
that is what we're what we're seeing on the world front. The weed market might be the sort of the all of a sudden the dark horse to come roaring out of here. Uh, exportable countries, low supplies, 15 years low supplies. So that kind of changes the view of there's not a lot of room for error elsewhere. Long-term weather patterns might be suggesting the Black Sea region is what's called a hot spot area. That is, it'll have hotter temperatures this summer. There's a few, you know, some forecasts have a few uh, of those spots sort of targeted for this year. So the wheat market is one that might all of a sudden lead us out of this charge. But it, too, has had a struggle lately. And again, I just think the speculative interest uh, just... It, it, it's short, it doesn't see a reason to exit and maybe adding to some of their positions in the near term. Well, once again, we're talking with Brian Doherty from Total Farm Marketing here on today's program. We'll continue the conversation coming up after the break. We'll talk livestock and dairy with Brian. Look at some of the uh, final numbers on Thursday. March corn up one and three quarters, 444. New crop December corn up three quarters, 475 and three quarters. March beans seven to three quarters higher, 1213 and a half. November beans two and a quarter higher, 1191 and a quarter. Bean meal for March up 260 a ton, 361.30. March bean oil down eight points, 47.62. March Chicago wheat three higher, 585 and a half. March KC wheat up 11 and a quarter, 605 and a quarter. March spring wheat up seven and three quarters at 688. Live cattle February up 172, 174.82. January feeders up 250, 230, 92. February hogs down 35 at 71.10. We'll be back with more here on Market Talk on the way right after this. Make sure to subscribe to the Market Talk YouTube channel. You can watch our latest interviews with top market analysts in the country, find bonus content, and much more. It's easy. Just go to youtube.com slash at Market Talk Egg and hit the subscribe button. Or you can search for Market Talk Egg on YouTube. Market information that matters to you on Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. We're talking with Brian Doherty, Senior Market Advisor at Total Farm Marketing here today on the show. Brian, uh, real quick, some thoughts over in livestock. Cattle had a pretty good day Thursday. Have to think some of that may be positioning ahead of this uh, latest cattle on feed report that comes out Friday afternoon after the close, Brian. Yeah, right. And so this nasty winter weather, which it has been, it has some effect and impact. And it looked like the market finally maybe caught up to it uh, today or at least wanted to factor that in. We had a pretty good solid technical close yesterday, followed through today. Really nice move. Solid closes above the 50-day moving average in February cattle uh, in the deferred months, $2 higher today on April. Starting to see that technical strength and that recovery that we talked about, that 50% retracement still looms very large in my mind for for prices as a target to get to. And, and you're looking about 182 on the, on the April. Also, that's not that far away. We're 12 bucks off the low. We got about three to $5 to go, $5 to go to get to 182, but back into some better resistance points. Um, again, I think it's more weather related, but I think what you're going to see on this cattle on feed report is placement numbers will show us probably a little bit lighter. And then you're going to see, I think there was some sort of, um, adjustments on those reports based on when cattle went into the lot, when they came out, weight gain, weight gain was good on the previous reports. Step back a little bit. This report will still confirm tight feed numbers, cattle on feed numbers, cattle herd numbers. Uh, we'll look forward to the inventory numbers. That'll tell us some things too, but you don't quickly expand the cattle herd overnight. Brian, any uh, quick notes in the dairy trade for us here before we wrap it up today? 
you know, it's it's trying to find a bottom and it hasn't done a good job of it yet. So we had some good activity here uh, three or four days ago. It gave that back on the February contract, almost all of it back. The March contract pushed into a new low today, trading at 16.05. Um, the previous low uh, was around 16.13, so slipped under that. And we're just not seeing the, the activity in the cheese market. It was off today two to three cents on blocks and barrels. So as I look at this big picture, we're still struggling with cheese prices. We use the old sort of formula, take the price of cheese and then multiply by 10. That should give you uh, the class three price. You know, $15 is what that would point to, 15 or less. So so it's a, it's just a market that hasn't found a footing. We're not seeing the, the herds liquidate enough. Um, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's still in a downtrend. Well, Brian, great thoughts. And uh, I know you got another meeting we got to let you jump to. If folks want to reach out to you there at Total Farm Marketing and ask them questions and, and talk to you, how can they reach you, Brian? Yeah, the best way, uh, Jess, is just uh, if they would call us, 800 334 9779. Love to field questions and, and hear uh, what you're asking. And then uh, if you don't like that, you want a quick email, Brian with a Y. So, Brian at totalfarmmarketing.com. And then lastly, um, we have a, a website that's got a lot of information on good resources, uh, uh, www.totalfarmmarketing.com. Generous with your time each and every week. We appreciate the thoughts. Brian Doherty with Total Farm Marketing. Thanks for joining us on the show today. Have a great one. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Thank you, Jesse. Once again, uh, very good stuff there from Brian Doherty with Total Farm Marketing joining us here today on the show. And uh, Brian, uh, letting him uh, scoot out just a, a little early here before we wrap up the show today. He had a, a prior commitment to get to uh, here as uh, we work through the day. So we always do appreciate his time and insight, though. Uh, very, very good thoughts again, once again, for Brian Doherty. And again, find them online, totalfarmmarketing.com. Let's look at some of those closes again uh, real quick from Thursday's session. Again, found some green on the screen. Uh, March corn up one to three quarters, 444. July corn up one, 463 and a half. And we look at new crop December corn. That was up three quarters, 475 and three quarters. March soybeans seven to three quarters higher, 1213 and a half. July up four and three quarters at 1233. November new crop beans up two and a quarter at 1191 and a quarter. Soybean meal for March up 260 a ton, 361.30. March bean oil down eight points, 47.62. We look over at March Chicago wheat, three higher, 585 and a half. July up one and three quarters, 603 and three quarters. December Chicago wheat up one and a half, 630 and a half. March Kansas City winter wheat, 11 and a quarter higher, 605 and a quarter. July was up eight and a half at 611. December KC wheat, eight higher, 638. Spring wheat, March, seven and three quarters higher, 688. July up four at 704 and a quarter. December spring wheat, one higher, 727 and three quarters. Oats, March, 12 or 13 and a quarter higher, excuse me, 363 and three quarters. And canola was up three to five on the day on Thursday. Looking over at the cotton market as well. March cotton up 81 points, 82.51. May cotton up 70 points, 83.39. Saw some green and uh, coffee, sugar, cocoa was higher on the day. Orange juice as well. Lumber a little bit in the red. Let's look over at the dairy parlor. We saw kind of a mixed bag there with uh, plenty of red on the screen. Moderate losses throughout cheese and butter and milk prices here on the day, it looks like. 
Meantime, livestock trade, cattle, live cattle, February 172 higher, 174.82 on Thursday. April up 202, 177.65. June live cattle up 172, 174.52. August up 150, 174.92. January feeder cattle 250 higher, 230.92. March up 277, 232.55. April feeders up 255, 237.75. And the hog trade mixed bag there. February hogs down 35, 71, 10. April up 47, 78, 45. May hogs up 15, 84, 10. June lean hogs 10 lower, 9207. Lean hog index up 49, 67, 34. Feeder cattle index down 56, 225, 87. Look over at DTN's uh, cash indexes as well on the grain side on Thursday. Get those pulled up here. Take a look at those basis numbers. Corn, DTN cash index 418, down a penny from the previous day. Soybeans down 21 cents from the previous day at 11.52. DTN Chicago wheat index, SRW 522, that was up a penny on the day. KC wheat index from DTN. 539 that was down seven cents and the spring wheat index down 10 cents at 654 on the day thursday looking at the weather too as we wrap things up uh, watching a clipper system work its way from the uh, northern plains down through parts of iowa northern illinois into indiana here as we work from thursday into friday got winter weather advisories uh, pretty much stretching from montana all the way through pennsylvania seeing some uh, storm issues impacting parts of the mid-south again as well as we work through thursday into friday so definitely we're still keeping some active weather moving through much of the country we're out of time here on market talk today i'm jesse allen thanks for listening and have a great rest of your day